Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live over on Crowdcast, also live over on YouTube. Or maybe you're catching us later on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, the app of your choice, wherever you listen to podcasts. However you listen or watch, it's all good for us on this fine fall day. Now, you might notice that yeah. our third host, Justin, is actually not here today. He's, uh, he's famous now. He hangs mm-hmm. out with Tom Hanks, so he doesn't have time for us anymore. Yeah, uh, Him and T. Hanks are just kind of rolling deep up over in Hollyweird. So, like, you know, it, it's got to be tough. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Justin, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but Justin's the line producer for <laughs> Tom Hanks' new special on the Academy Awards. And I, I feel like they just had a sit-down conversation, just mm-hmm. the two of them, about what it's like to be hot right now. Yes. This all sounds like you're joking, except you're actually not. You just got some of the details wrong, right? Mm-hmm. The, I'm pretty there's sure. A, there's a special called A Night at the Academy Museum that's actually airing tonight on ABC, I believe. At that's why I can't be here tonight. Yeah, because they, uh, they do it live, right? They pre-tape it. And just have like a backup in case Tom Hanks dies or something. Oh, like that. what? Come on, man. And no, no, no. It's a pre-taped special, but he has some other stuff going on. But you definitely check it out. Um, I watched a screener of it. There's a very funny uh, thing at the end where his credit goes across. It says written by Justin Tyler and it's uh-huh. Danny Glover behind him going <laughs> like that with his thumbs up. It's pretty hilarious. So wow. Watch the special for Danny Glover giving a thumbs up. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. He says, he points to Justin's name and says, I'm getting too old for this guy. This guy's shit, because that's how I feel. (laughs) This is Straight Bullet Ass. Uh, Again, this is on ABC tonight, Tuesday night. At, I believe so. Either PM. go to YouTube or ABC, whatever's easier for you. Not you know YouTube. what I mean? It's not on YouTube. It's going to be on Hulu tomorrow. It's called A Night at the Academy Museum. Oh, they'll is... be like somebody's TV screen tonight. Don't you worry about it on YouTube. What are you talking about? You're talking about those like images where somebody's recording their television of a live show. Okay. You know what I mean? One of those images? Yeah, yeah. One of those like streaming live on YouTube things where it's like somebody's house. And you can like hear people walking in the background and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Though that old thing. Yeah, yeah. Music. I know what you're talking about. Now we should also talk about tonight's drink 
as curated by our official CBC chef, Brett Macris. It's called The Bitter Revenge, and it's once again from the Gotham City Cocktail Book. This one is uh, Calvados, Dry Vermouth, Sweet Vermouth, Agnostura Bitters, I never know how to pronounce that, and an apple slice for garnish. I used a slightly modified recipe just based on what I had around. I used Laird's, which is another apple brandy. Eastman and Laird's. Eastman and Laird's. I used Huge Eastman's. Uh, I used a little Michelangelo. Yeah, smart. You can smart. really, the, the great thing about this drink is you can really taste the turtles. Mm. <laughs> mm. Oh, That's man. good. I love being a turtle, that I love getting drunk. <laughs> Oh my God, what is that? That's what I always say. Anyway, this is a really good fall drink. Highly recommend it. Really good. Another great choice from that Brent Macris and from our Patreon Slack, patreon.com slash comic book club, where people are uh, choosing these drinks every week, which is very fun. So I'll tell you what, we're going to bring in our first guest here later on the show. We're going to have Frank Barberi and Kurt Pyers are going to be here. But right now, let's bring in our first guest who is Leslie Julian, the creator of Savage Wizard, yeah. which is on Kickstarter right now. Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Leslie, hey. welcome to the show. How are you doing? Very excited Good. to have you here. How so, doing? I'm great. So listen, right. your Kickstarter is going on right now. Again, it's Savage Wizard number one. Mm-hmm. And I just want to call out something before we get into the interview portion. So I have the Kickstarter up here right now. I'm going to share it on the screen. You are, with 63 hours to go, you are at $5,748 out of $6,000. So close. Mom! (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You are right on the cusp there. Get out there and support it. This is a cool like I feel like you're probably going to get it anyway, but we're going to try to give you the comic book club bump. So if anybody who's watching live right now can go and pledge and bump this up and try to get this over the edge, really appreciate that. Please go do that now at Savage Wizard. In the meantime, let's talk about the book to convince people to pledge for it. Uh, I think I can figure it out based on the title. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, talk about the book. Talk about the concept a little bit. Yeah, uh, for anyone listening, uh, the really easy breakdown we love to give is: What if Conan Barbarian was forced to become a wizard to save the world? Pretty much. Nice. That's a great pitch line. I love it, Pete. That seems right up your alley. Oh, yeah, this is fantastic. I watched this uh, video a couple times. Uh, I love uh, the art in this. Uh, the, the title sets it all up. And man, does it deliver. Uh, uh, the action, this is very cool. I would love to see more of this. I really hope you reach your goal. Uh, this is just a fantastic concept. And, and the art here really delivers on it. Well, talk about the genesis a little bit. I mean, did it start mm-hmm. with as simply as that, like looking at Conan of the Barbarian and thinking, what if he had magic? Or was there a little bit more there? It did start pretty simply, yeah. Um, basically, um, I was taking place uh, in something called Pitch Vimber, where you're basically supposed to come up with like, oh, a nice. line a day for a month. And I just came up with a bunch of random, like, wacky ideas. And this just happened to be one of them, uh, funny enough. And uh, so uh, Doug Wood, my co-writer, approached me uh kind of wanting to collaborate on something and we went back and forth on ideas and nothing really stuck and i was like oh yeah what about that uh barbarian becomes a wizard idea and he's like oh my gosh that's one let's do that so things kind of uh spring forward from there well once you started with that then what were the challenges if any in getting this book together what was the biggest challenge would you say Ooh, good question <laughs> there are so many um 
I mean, apart from just scheduling, because uh, Doug's a, a busy guy, he uh, put together an awesome uh, anthology that was a part of uh, Project Big Hype, which was like a, a Western-inspired uh, manga anthology. Um, apart from that, it was also kind of finding, finding Brian, our artist, who's incredible. It, it took yeah. us a while to, to find an artist, and we were just so lucky and grateful that um, Brian liked the the concept and uh, was able to come on board um, uh, once we um, reached out to him. So when you got Conan the Barbarian, and he's he's already pretty jacked, right? Like, he's pretty muscly. And <laughs> yeah. then you give him magic. Doesn't that essentially make him unstoppable? How do you throw well, challenges yeah. his kind of way? Scroll down a little bit. That last uh, preview uh, panel we show you, we uh, definitely, yeah, realized pretty quickly, like, uh, we're gonna... We had to come up with a, a way to kind of depower him a little bit. So there is as a physical limitation that um uh, our main character renar has to uh get around and he basically has to like you said reclass from a warrior to to wizard unfortunately due to um some uh a falling out between him and uh, and his uh former friend i mean this sounds based on what you're talking about a little bit D D inspired as well is that right it's funny i would say it has a a light D D inspiration just you know from i would say cultural things but uh, funny enough i started playing DD after uh we oh, wow. had really scripted everything so i'm actually pretty new to DD, but i have a level four rogue and a level five oh, uh, nice. or right now that i'm uh, look at you yeah uh, all right uh, so yeah so it's kind of funny yeah uh i would say the pandemic kind of uh made that finally happen in my life i've always wanted to check it out but <laughs> nothing like some online uh D D. so shout out to the good noodles that's my party uh, nice. <laughs> it's been fun yeah to kind of uh think about that stuff so it might kind of uh, come a little bit uh more uh forward in in the future um issues that need the influence uh well what about uh the kickstarter itself obviously that's mm -hmm. always a hustle we've had lots of people on with lots yeah. of different projects uh but what has that been like for you over the time that you've had this kickstarter up it's been exhausting <laughs> i mean i'm sure <laughs> everyone says that but yeah, I mean, just, yeah, kind of uh, being my own uh, marketing person. I mean, you really got to appreciate the people that do this for a living because it, it's rough. Uh, it's it's a lot of work pounding pavement and reaching out to as many uh, podcasts and uh, comic uh, publications that I can to, you know, beat the drum and make some noise. And uh, luckily, people have been receptive, especially thanks to Brian Flint's amazing art. But, uh, yeah, it's just very interesting uh, kind of Finally, this is my first Kickstarter, being behind the wheel and seeing everything that it takes to kind of get something like this funded. And what exactly is it going to fund? Is it going to be one issue? Is it a graphic novel? Do you have series plans for this? What's potentially in the works? So uh, this is funding uh, this issue. We do have a, a mini series in the works, but we're funding uh, issue one. Uh, and hopefully we'll be back uh, probably next year for issue number two. All right. All right. Wow, very cool. Mm -hmm. um, all right, we I'm checking the the numbers over here. Not quite there yet. I think it ticked up a dollar or two while we hey, were chatting. We'll take a dollar or two. <laughs> it's something. Every it's dollar something. <laughs> Exactly. But again, you're at uh, 5,775 out of 6,000 right now. So fingers crossed, with 63 hours to go, I think you're going to do it. It's a great-looking project, and I'm very excited to check it out more. Yeah, it's super badass and fun, so I feel like... You do a great job of just being like, this is what it is, you know, get in on it because it's, it's a, gr a great read and I, and I hope to read more. 
Awesome. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Leslie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Good luck with the project. Uh, stay sane in these last couple of hours here. Trying. <laughs> All right. Take Have care. Have thank a good you night. so much, guys. You have a great yeah, night. No you too. All right. There we go. Once again, the project is called Savage Wizard Number One. It's on and it really, it's just like a, what you think it is. It's like a, how would you kind of deal with this? And it's such a great setup in that first issue. So I feel like. Um, you know, there are people who get great ideas and then are able to cash in on it. So it's nice to be able to support somebody's uh, really cool idea. Yeah. All right. Let's bring in our next two guests. They both have books from Comixology Originals. That's the pairing. But they are Kurt Pyers and Frank Barberi. The Frank Barberi book is called Astonishing Times. And Kirk's book is called Lost Falls. They're both available on Comixology right now. Kurt Hello, good to see you again. Thanks for coming. Welcome out. back. Yeah. What's up, guys? Where's Frank at? Where's he's he's too cool for us? I think so. <laughs> I think so. He's lurking. He's just sort of observing. Hopefully it'll pop in soon, on. you know. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I was oh. told this was gonna be a four way, so no Frank, uh I'm not leave. Oh, he says he hit the stuff. This is one of the quirks of this particular platform. Tell you what, uh, just to give you a little peek behind the curtain, Frank, I'm going to kick you out and invite you back in again. Um, and hopefully the wires won't get crossed that way. So here we go. Uh, but in the meantime, while we're doing that, Kurt, why don't we talk about your book, Lost Falls, which is pretty wild uh, yeah. tell me tell me if i'm uh, hey there's frank hello hey. how are you just in time to interrupt kurt yes. <laughs> <laughs> well i'll still exactly ask you anyway about lost falls i mean correct me if i'm wrong it's almost like a noir set in dreamland meets the prisoner is the impression that i got Ooh. from the first couple of issues is that sort of on the right track yeah i mean it's sort of a uh weird fiction uh, mystery puzzle box sort of book about a guy who wakes up in this small town with no idea of how he got there. And uh, the the course of the series really following him as he tries to piece together his missing memories as well as figure out like what's going on in this town. Uh, it's, uh, it's funny, the longer it goes, the more people seem to be commenting on how weird and sort of confusing it is. <laughs> it's funny because I wasn't, uh, I wanted to make something a little bit weird and sort of we're ambitious in terms of our scope, but I'm not really uh, gleefully trying to confuse people. I guess we're just, we're not really holding people's hands as much as, as they're used to, but it's inspired by things like Lost and sort of Twin Peaks and, and all this sort of, ambitious storytelling so we've got a plan for everything but uh just sort of like enjoy the ride i guess some people seem to really be liking how uh, off the wall things are so it's funny you say that because it, it is it's a great ride it you know you're not sure uh you know in the beginning of what's happening but like the art does a great job of pulling you into this world and kind of setting things up uh, it's got a, like a couple reoccurring characters that you kind of follow. This is a lot of fun, and the uh, the art's really fantastic. It's uh, the scope of it is artistic and kind of noir in such a a, a, a way that's creepy yet inviting. I, I'm having a great time with this. Well, I appreciate that, man. It's it's much nicer to hear that than than to hear you're not having a great time with it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Could you speaking, imagine if we had your honor being like, eh, not really liking this book. Sorry about that. Yeah, just, just <laughs> lie to me if that's the case. <laughs> I, I, I'd go on that podcast. I'd be like, <laughs> the honest, the yeah, honest it. guys, honest book club. Uh, no, I agree with Pete. I really, I, what I particularly appreciated reading three issues in a row is how you repeat certain sequences and then elaborate on them as they go, yeah, yeah. which I thought was a really fascinating way to structure it. Uh, where did that come from in particular? So it, uh, it, it sort of came as I was writing it. I wrote the first issue and, and the first issue, there's sort of a flashback to uh, right before the, the main character ends up in Lost Falls and sort of this case he's investigating and I, and I always knew I, I wanted to uh, to sort of come back to it. Then as I got further on on writing issue two, I thought it would be cool if we we pulled back the curtain sort of even further and and uh, go back and sort of dive into that, but in a bit of a a disorienting way. So like, if you're not fully paying attention, maybe you won't realize it's it's the sequence from issue one expanded, but it's sort of designed to reward like multiple readings and and close reading uh like a lot of comic books i really enjoyed and love as, as a reader i think are books like that that are constructed sort of thoughtfully and maybe don't necessarily hold your hand and tell you everything but sort of all there so it's a bit like a puzzle i guess where i'm just trying to balance everything out and make sure everything pays off mm. Uh, well, it definitely does. Uh, I'm curious, and this is getting into something that potentially is for both of you guys. Is there anything to the fact that it's being published on comiXology and digitally that affects the pace of the storytelling? Or are you still just looking at it as an issue, same you would as a print comic? Is yours monthly, Kurt, or is it weekly? I can't remember. It's monthly, right? Yeah. Lost Falls? Yeah. Why don't you go first? I've been talking a bunch already. So let's get you in the no, game. I, I thought I, I was ready to just like clown around, and then you gave like a nice smart answer. <laughs> like, is it based on my life, Kurt, and things like that? I've known Kurt for a long time. I feel like I've known Kurt for the whole time, almost ten years now. We met at well, ECC in like twenty thirteen. You're in the book. You're in Lost Falls, right? Oh yeah, oh, that's shit. right. I forgot. Yeah. And uh, so, is that why you sent me all those releases? You want off, this, that, I totally forgot about that. I, I wrote that as an Easter egg, and I think I like text messaged him about it. I needed like a, I needed like a, a placeholder name for some cop character, and I, I hate coming up with names. So sometimes, just as a joke, I write in friends' names, Aww, and I wrote cool. that in. And and yeah, exactly. It's like a love letter to you, Frank. Uh, <laughs> I know. I, I do remember that. That is a win, and in. In Rosenberg's like one issue of like Black Canary, he wrote he made the bad guy my twin brother's name Louis Barberi is a <laughs> mafioso. <laughs> Didn't ask permission on that one. I think my brother was stoked. But uh, anyway, uh, in terms of for me, like so, Comicsology uh, Unlimited does a, a few different kind of models where some books will come out all at once, some will be OGN, some will be monthly, but. Uh, at least for Astonishing Times, we really wanted to create that monthly comic like event feel. And I've always done monthly comics and really enjoy the single issue monthly format as like a good TV show. It can create discourse. It can give a nice 
episodic feel. And um, my co-creator and co-writer on the book, Eris Canones, has never done a comic before. And he's oh, wow. the host oh, of Variant wow. on YouTube, which is a uh, YouTube channel about all things comics. Uh, and he has a huge audience over there, which has been phenomenal to engage with. And we knew we would be engaging with him. So we really want to build a monthly book because of that, as well as me liking the format, but knowing that we had people who would actually be talking in uh, Eris... <clears throat> I made some with him, but he's done a lot of specific comment uh, content on his show to keep that engagement. So it's been really cool to kind of have that conversation going every month. He'll do, it's really funny for him because he is so used to just covering comics. And now he does like one of his spotlight episodes on his own book, which makes me laugh. <laughs> uh, and, but I, it's, it's really great and a, a nice way to kind of work with that format even more. And mm. my answer is I just like it. I like serialized storytelling. So we've had the option to try to do something else, but I was like, no, nah, I want to stick to monthly. Yeah. Well, Kurt, what about you? Has comiXology in any way impacted how you tackle the storytelling or given that it is a monthly, is it basically the same thing? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, the one thing is just like how you lay out some of the pages. Uh, I mean, uh, double page spread won't really work on a digital first book, obviously. Uh, so that's a big thing. Everything else is, is, is pretty similar though. I mean, I, I sort of write everything the same way I would a regular monthly comic. It's, it's interesting that how comiXology is experimenting with things, right? Like our books are, we're talking about right now are monthly, but, uh, there's other books I know they'll just drop, uh, they'll drop the whole thing at once. Uh, you did Youth Weekly, right? Like Youth was a weekly. Yeah, so that one, that one was interesting because we did it weekly, and it was right when there was a huge. It was when the comics industry was shut down because of Diamond and all this stuff. So we're able to like capitalize on that and guess drive people to to check us out who normally wouldn't. Uh, so that was nice, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's I, I'm just writing everything the same way I would, but you know I have. Uh, another project I'm doing with them that's going to drop as a whole thing at once, which is a book called Memoria, which is out early December. So that'll come out as like a graphic novel. So I'll be able to answer your question better then, but <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Got to get that plug in there. You know, that sweet, sweet uh, oh, plug. Very, you did it. Very you natural. I love yeah, it. very natural. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about uh, Astonishing Times in a second, but just to kind of keep on this for a moment and talk about the comicsology of all, there's been a lot of discussion about different distribution models, not not just recently, but literally the entire time we've been doing the show, but uh, particularly recently with the Substack thing and everything else. Have you seen... And I don't know if you can necessarily measure this, but have you seen any new audiences, new readers come in specifically because of the Comixology connection, because of the Amazon connection or anything like that? Or does it, do you feel like it's sort of the same audience, but in a different place? Uh, <laughs> you want to go, Frank, or should I go? Yeah, well, I, I can speak to it because of the, the connection we have, at least with Eris's uh, channel. So when i started working on this book with eris and uh our artist ruby coleman and our colorist thornafi uh we were going to bring it to different places like we didn't know for a fact we were going to do it any one place but uh it was around the time that comiXology originals were really spinning up i actually hit kurt up a bunch thank you kurt for answering all my text messages Aww. uh 
And I've known uh, Chip Mosher at Comixology, who's kind of the head of Unlimited and really just the person I constantly have to thank because he's the one who, who brought us in. Uh, I used to work at Comixology back in like 2012, like when it was a loft in Chelsea. And I love everyone there and I've always wanted to go back and do something with them. So it just kind of fell into place. And, and it really fell into place when they announced that they were going to do print editions of the books because my co-creator and ever having done a comic really, really wanted it, which I understand. And once they announced that, and I kind of heard that from from Chip, I was like, oh, well, we'll definitely, we're definitely interested. But uh, long story short, for us, it's really great because I love print comics. I owe my career and life as it is right now to print comics. I love comics retailers. But with this project, it's been really easy for us to capitalize on some of uh, the variant audience wanting to read this book immediately. It's so easy to just put a link right there and have them click it and be able to read the book right now versus being like, okay, find a comic shop, get there, see if it's in stock. And again, I, I can't emphasize enough how much I do love traditional print comics and comic shops. But for this, when we are trying to market to an audience who definitely love comics, but some of them may not be like weekly readers, people who go to comic stores, it's been so nice to be able to just point to a digital product available right away. And hopefully now they're very interested in getting the print edition so we can synergize back around and introduce them to that ecosystem. So. For me, the and this is my like highfalutin answer. I will always say like for me, the content is always the same. Like I love print artifacts. I have a billion books. I will always love physical items. But uh, for me, it's about getting the story out, getting the art out, and I won't too much about where it ends up coming out. But uh, it is it is definitely a time when I think, and Kurt, I know you can have a lot to say this as well. But uh, when there are new opportunities for creators, more than more than just uh, the traditional models. And that I think is very healthy and gonna foster a lot of amazing work. Just the fact that, oh, you don't need to worry about only five print companies being able to do your book now. There's a lot of other opportunities. And even looking at things like Webtoon, which has grown and uh, mm -hmm. it all started just from, I guess, like like comics just on Tumblr and things like that. I think we, we've really entered into an era where the audience isn't so worried about like the gatekeeping of traditional as much as the content and for me i think that's awesome I, I think it's great that creators can go to any company and it's about their books not necessarily the distribution of where they'll be cool kurt did you have anything additional there <laughs> frank kind of teed you up a little bit yeah i mean i think i would just say i agree with most everything frank said i think if if anything comicology has been really great to to uh to work with because they'll take chances on you know sort of things like uh i think i said this last time i was on here but like use the book i shopped around quite a bit in the traditional print market and you know for all the the chest beating and uh what's what's the right word the 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 self-importance of the of the the progressive comic book industry no one wanted to do this book uh because it was a little rough around the edges and featured, you know, gay kids doing crimes. Uh, but Comixology got it right away and supported the book. And since then, the book's gone on to, you know, get the the TV option, do all this this stuff, which none of would have really been possible with out Amazon taking a chance on it. So I'll always be very appreciative. Uh, and I think sort of just beyond the personal connection, the fact that, 
you can access these titles with like a prime subscription or with comiXology unlimited is pretty revolutionary because it's like five books a month that gets you all this content. And, and, you know, I know just this, this last week, I saw a massive surge in people reading lost falls because of the, uh, the we have demons crowd right like they go on there they read we have demons and then the the book right beside it just because it was the last comicsology book to release was lost falls three so they dive in and see what this is and our numbers getting a big increase because of that i saw astonishing times also going up so it's like all this stuff is great i think because it just gets people reading comics and i think if people can't spend fifty dollars to a hundred or a hundred bucks a month on comics, it's nice that they can spend five bucks and get to to read. You know, everything's Frank doing, everything I'm doing, the the Scott stuff, and all, and all the other books. Like, I think that's pretty cool. It's sort of democratizing things. Uh, I didn't even mention that, but I I strongly agree. Like, I forget that it is there is that subscription platform with unlimited that you get access to so many books. I think like. Uh, people have started like flirting. I know like Marvel and DC have their own subscriptions, but it's so nice to have one that is all creator owned stuff too. And like mm-hmm. Kurt said, have that discoverability and everyone can kind of rise yeah. together when, when someone is there. Yeah. yeah. Like Substack is doing interesting stuff as well. My biggest issue with it so far is that the, the only one releasing any comics really is James. Everything else is like, watch jonathan hickman do some charts it's like no thank you you know people are paying seven dollars a month they want some fucking comic books you know you got a million bucks from substack you know you don't have to put out some comic books i'm up a little bit right now but come on guys you get the big money put out a few pages of comics <laughs> love it. Uh, oh, let's man. speaking of a few pages of comics. Why don't we move? Yeah. and talk about Astonishing Times, which is also a lot of fun. Uh, now, Frank, I'll try to pitch this book to you as well. It essentially seems to start off with a journalist who writes about superheroes. Superheroes are real in this world. He gets embroiled in a superhero conspiracy himself. Is while I was reading the first couple of issues of this, I was really curious about where this book started did it start with the journalist angle did it start with the conspiracy angle did it all come at once what was the germ of the idea there i'm gonna try to keep this briefer than i have because i can go on and on about it but uh this book really grew out of uh so again my friendship with eris eris kinota is my co-writer and co-creator he i met him in 2013 and his channel variant is a a youtube channel about comics they have a whopping 2 million subscribers. So it's a very substantial uh, operation he's running over there. And he had uh, covered five ghosts and we actually have a very close mutual friend. And then his brother-in-law was friends and and we just struck up a friendship. So he interviewed me in 2013 and we kind of kept in touch. We talked a lot and what I was checking out a show. And finally, probably around like 2017 and it took forever. He was like, Hey man, like it's always been my dream to kind of do a comic like, would you be interested in like kind of showing me like the ropes or anything like that? And I used to be, before I got to comics, I was a teacher. I still teach comics and uh, teach writing in general. I'm a huge, huge advocate of kind of giving tools to people who want them as I, I hate the kind of, again, gatekeeping that goes on with so much of publishing and so many, even just writing, like even from my time being a teacher, like 
I, I taught middle school at one point and 12 year old kids would be like, I'm not a writer. I'd be like, you're 12. You don't <laughs> know that. Like, <laughs> I'm sure you could be a writer. Uh, but anyway, so I, I, instead of being like, please don't talk about making comics, which is always a <laughs> avenue you can take when someone asks you, I, I really liked Eris and so his sincerity was like, awesome. Yeah, let's do this. Like I, I myself have, I think I, it was right before I started working in video games. Cause I kind of have left comics after working full-time comics for around 10 years, I was super burnt out and Eris caught me right before then. And we started talking and then I was extremely burnt out and literally trying to change careers from being a full-time comics writer. So I got really grumpy and burnt out and still would talk to him. And he was like, well, Hey, I really want to do a superhero book. And I was like, absolutely not. There's no human way we can sell a superhero <laughs> book in a creator on market. Like it doesn't work like that. And gave him this like, litany of reasons why we couldn't do that and he was just like cool and kept talking with me and uh he brought me an original idea that was really cool but i was just like i i don't know if we can make this work like it's too too superhero adjacent especially for where the market was in 2017 and we kept talking talking and finally like uh i started having really like interesting organic talks with him like hey well like you run a channel about superheroes that has so many people engaged like what is it that you really care about and got into like like very nerdy like writing teacher nuts and bolts and started getting really inspired and, and kind of like opened my like old file and one of the post-it notes i always had written down was like superhero journalist story question mark and uh <laughs> i started talking with eris a lot about what we would want to do with a book and and honestly there was a superman pitch i had had and really tried to push through at dc that I tried to give it my all and be like, oh, like what is important about superheroes in 20 whatever? Like, how do we recontextualize this? And one thing I personally was really adamant about is, this sounds very, very self-centered, but truly where this book came from for me was like, it legitimately makes me so fucking angry that people can go see superhero movies and then walk out and be a piece of shit and like not realize that like, oh, this material is supposed to be inspiring. It's supposed to be about being a better person, about being like the best version of yourself and like being a hero. And I feel like so much of that has just been drained out by many, many things. So for me, my like personal thesis was like, oh, like I want to tell a like aspirational story about heroism, about normal people who appreciate superheroes, who aren't played as the butt of a joke, who are, again, earnest in their love and always rewarded for it but not just like it, even in so many mainstream things as popular as comics and superheroes are it's still like oh like you like comics what a nerd like it, it we lose that aspirational feature and kind of play it for an easy disc but uh again eris was so instrumental in this because this is his bread and butter and from that we really got talking and I showed him kind of like how I lay things out and a lot of my best practices and just having his enthusiasm was was so great because this was someone new to it and I was so grumpy. And as I said, I, I literally changed careers. So I was super burned out and being like, well, I don't like think comics work because of X, Y, or Z. And uh, then when we got Ruri into the mix, uh, Ruri Coleman, our artist, he again, he had done a little bit of work at Marvel and, and some stuff at uh, IDW, like some Star Wars and Ninja Turtles comics, but he had never done a creator-owned book. So he was super excited to jump in and do his own original characters. And uh, it just became a really fun jam for me and like kind of reignited a lot of the things I love about comics. But that's all to say we, we then slowly grew out the plot of, uh, again, having a conspiracy lead into round issue three and four is where it starts getting into something bigger than that. And, and the thing I joked about is one of my favorite books of all time is Watchmen. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to make a shitty Watchmen. Like, that's not what I'm trying to do. And then, of course, we have our book open with a superhero getting murdered. So, whoops. But uh, uh, we really wanted to do our own thing, but clearly pay homage to a lot of different books we love, a lot of different tropes of the superhero medium. And in doing so, create something that was familiar, but still very much in service of this more grounded, real-world view and aspirational book. And uh, as I said, I... I I'll have a lot more to say about it when the book completes as it, it does start with a pretty like genre heavy, like murder mystery, but then grows into kind of this reexamination of, Oh, what does it mean to be a hero? And it just emphasizing that our main character is a normal person. He is not a dude with superheroes and he lives in a world where superheroes have been so commonplace that even them doing crazy things have kind of just bored people. And, uh, To us, that's obviously a metaphor for the idea that like, oh yeah, we've lived through this burst and boom of uh, superhero stuff. And and interestingly, Eris started his channel right as the MCU started. So Mm -hmm. he's kind of grown with the MCU and he found his niche being almost like the YouTube channel that explains all this deep lore to a normal person who maybe went and saw the first Avengers was like, who the hell is Black Widow? And and things like that. But uh, that's all to say... uh, it, yeah that that's the brief version but the, the funniest thing about it is like the obsession for me like some of my writing nerdism is like like whatever the name of the book is is going to be the name of his column because i need that in my like brain to be like a nerdy thing and we had an old title that also fit very well but then we couldn't use because of seo stuff and i just remember i actually went to dallas to hang out with eris so we sat for like a day writing names like on a board of that whole cliche and it was just killing me because I'm like, it needs to work not only as the name of the book, but the name of the goddamn column. And there's only a certain slice we can get. And he had an amazing fantasy poster up in his uh, in his office. And we started like playing around with that and then, then came to Astonishing Times. And our, our designer, Dylan, did that beautiful logo and it all worked there. But, uh, but again, I, I feel like it ended up being a really good title for us as it is aspirational. It does feel like a little like kitschy, archaic as well. But uh this is all just to say like the book really ended up being something special for me and it grew out of this like weird, like I'm burned out and don't want to do this. Okay. I'm going to teach someone new about <laughs> comics to me getting back into it. So at least it gives me something to talk about, but uh, the book itself, again, I'm, I'm so happy with, with everything else about it and, uh, and very happy to have it at Comixology as part of the originals as well. It's been a really, a real perfect storm from something that I didn't think was going to happen to actually seeing it out now. So yeah, it's particularly really funny to hear you talk about, oh, I didn't want to do a superhero book to this legitimately is a new superhero universe <laughs> where you read the first yeah. couple of issues and you're like, they have history, they have different powers, different relationships. This could be spun off into different books if you really want to. I mean, is that now that you are back into it, do you feel any better about that direction or are you still like, I, no, it's just this? I do. I do. And and Kurt, I'm sure, you know, as well, like, just like when you're making creator on comics, like one of the rough things that in Kurt, I feel like you've had a really interesting career, like along with me, where like you probably even more than me have done so much of your own stuff. Like it's such a difficult game of finding stuff you're passionate about, but also marketable also that a publisher will pick up. And truly one of the cardinal sins of new creators for the longest time is like don't bring us your shitty batman don't bring us your shitty superman like we have those in the market you're not going to compete with them if you have a superhero book it has to be 
so specific or you need to be so famous that you can sell it. And for me, uh, I had done a book with uh, Victor Santos called Black Market, which I really liked at Boom Studios. And Victor is just one of my favorite artists. And that was almost like a like Breaking Bad adjacent, like boys type, like, oh, the superheroes in this world are kind of assholes, but there's a cure for everything in their blood. What would it be like if someone was trying to steal their blood and sell it? And hence it's called Black Market. And that's what it's about generally. But uh, that was a lot more limited in scope than this. And, th and I had done that. And this is why I said to Eris, like, I need to find a take I care about. As one of my favorite books of all time is Powers by Brian McBendis and Mike mm -hmm. Oming. And I feel like Powers is just like the pinnacle of a, like, oh, this is a superhero, like, book that exists in a world that feels familiar and works but has its own take and for me like I'm not saying that I feel like you nailed that but uh I, with Astonishing Times at least I felt like oh the journalism angle can be unique and you want to sorry go on and on and on don't don't fall asleep Kurt I swear I'll shut up soon. <laughs> but uh but uh one thing that was important to me as well is this is kind of like I, I hadn't done a comic in long enough where I'm like okay well if we do something I want to really kind of have all my cake and eat it too i guess well, journalism in the comic space and, and you guys are part of this as well like is a tricky space because honestly the things everyone wants to cover are the huge stories and honestly i owe my career to so many people taking chances and writing articles about me inviting me out to podcasts doing coverage of of my work knowing that's not going to be as explosive as again a batman writer or like x-men stuff and I really wanted to try to do a book that kind of infused that every man into it as a like subtle nod and, and appreciation to all the people who've covered me. And, and one thing we're trying to get rolling, it's all been annoying because of COVID is do a little more interviews with, with actual journalists, talk to people about like, Oh, why do you care about superheroes and Dwight Whitewad? Like, why do you commit your time to this? And just kind of have a discourse that's not necessarily about us, but more about the medium, about the art. Cause I find like so many people have interesting things to say and, and, that's what we really try to embody with our main character. Obviously, in the first few issues, he will grow a little more, has a little bit of a superficial love for, for superheroes. But uh, this is still something that dominates discourse in 2021 and is clearly important to so many people. And to at least start bringing a tiny magnifying glass to that through, a again, a very genre-driven, entertaining superhero comic is, is something that really interested me. And... Uh, Again, the, the connection with Variant has been awesome. We we really want to continue pushing into some stuff about making comics. Do we, we posted a few videos of like a kind of like mini documentary and a round table where we talk about it, but we really want to push that stuff as I'm extremely adamant about like, again, making comics more accessible to, to new voices, to people who want to know how to write, how to actually put them together. And a few people have done phenomenal work in the space, but for me, it's just something I've always been interested in. This is the stuff I needed to kind of like get brewing beyond just making a book to get me back into it. So I'm I'm glad it it's all coming to fruition, if slowly now. But uh, God, I can't even remember the question. Awesome interview answer. But, My question was, what is your name again? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what I just... asked, and then you just kind of went off for a while. But, um, yeah, I think I figured. But it out. Uh, but no, it it, it is uh, it, it it has kind of reignited a lot of love for me. I mean, I will always make comics, and I'm glad that I found. A superhero thing that I can work within and feel good, and and we've seen a lot of really good ones recently. I, I feel like something that I really pushed a lot to Eris coming into this was Black Hammer by Jeff Lemire. I feel like Jeff again, just like incredible body of work with Black Hammer. He managed to create a new take and a whole universe out of it. I'm like, if we could do something like 
one one hundredth this level, we will consider it success. And obviously, Astro City is something that people point to a lot as well. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I just have to really credit, as you said, our artist Ruri with making these characters who really do feel lived in, who clearly have a little bit of homage within them, but also it, it's an intangible you can't find. But it the the world looks like it should exist. Like it doesn't look like a parody and it doesn't look like, at least to me, like super new. Like it looks like, oh, if, if you had told me there were comics about some of these characters, I'd believe you. And, and that is just an art magic trick him and, and Lauren have managed to pull off. Love it. Uh, for both of you, there are three issues out now. I think you touched on this earlier, but they're both limited series. Is that the idea? Yeah, Kurt? Yeah, so... Uh, uh... Lost Fall is sort of like the Hellboy model or whatever, I guess, where it's like there's a series of mini series. So we're hoping to come back for more uh, after this this first four issue run. Cool. And Frank, what about you with Astonishing Times? Uh, we're in a similar boat where uh, we def we're doing five issues for this first uh, mini series, and it was something I was adamant to, like, oh, we want it to be a complete story. Like this is, if you read our book at feels almost like at the tail end of a golden age like and and kind of telling like a final story for these characters and mm -hmm. by design we really want to open it up so again like kurt said we can do that similar model where we jump back in but be able to play across the timeline like oh if we want to do a book that took place 20 years earlier now we've at least like set those flags in the ground and and again hopefully like keep the audience engaged and make them curious about who some of these characters were before we see them now and things like that Awesome. Well, both of these books are fantastic. People should definitely check them out on Comixology. Yeah. Uh, they're so cool. Guys, good luck with both of them. It was a pleasure chatting. Yeah, thanks for having thanks us. Much. Take care, guys. All right. Have a good night. There we go. Once again, the books are Frank, it's Frank Barberi's Astonishing Times on Comixology and Kurt Pyer's Lost Falls. They're both really good. I highly recommend checking them out. Yeah. Particularly yeah, if you nice. don't have a Comixology unlimited subscription, worth it for those two books. Alone. Oh, look at this guy. Yeah. Love saying that. Love it. That's my catchphrase. And we're going to move on with my next catchphrase, which is my favorite catchphrase because you all make it up. It is your audience question. That's right. This is your favorite part of the show. This is my favorite part of the show. Now, for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question over in the YouTube comments. We'll keep an eye on that. Or over here on Crowdcast in Ask a Question. But before that, folks, it's time to pay a couple of bills. Oh, boy. Here we go. Bruce Wayne may appear to be a wealthy playboy, but beneath this facade, his true identity is that of the Batman, waging an endless war against crime. Join the Cape Crusader in Batman, the audio adventures, the first scripted audio original featuring Batman and his villainous rogues gallery in a world premiere story of life and death in Gotham City debuting exclusively on HBO Max, starring Jeffrey Wright as Batman and a who's who of incredible Saturday Night Live alums. This rollicking adventure, told across 10 episodes, is written and directed by Emmy winner Dennis McNichols, including devilishly delightful original music by Doug Bossy and performances by Rosario Dawson, John Liguizamo, Chris Parnell, Melissa Villanueva, Seth Meyers, Jason Sudeikis, Brooke Shields, 
Fred Armisen, and many, many more. Go to hbomax.com backslash Batman Audio Adventures for more and stream Batman The Audio Adventures only on HBO Max. Autumn is the air, the pumpkins are in the patch, and our friends in Manscaped are here to make sure you don't carve your pants pumpkins when you're grooming, if you know what I'm saying. Make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. Boys, get ready for a cuffing season like no other. Ready to take the leap into fall with Manscaped? Join the two million men worldwide and Pete! using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off, plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20. Now, there's a couple of things you're going to get in this package, Pete. All right? That's and right. not It's not just trick-or-treat treats. So I don't want you to think it's trick-or-treat treats. It's it's not that. So it's weird that you tee it up like it could be, but you're not... Well, that's uh, what I'm saying. The it's treats not. are the uh, amazing product within the, the package that holds it all. Yeah, there's no uh, tricks. Yeah, there's no tricks. It's all treats, baby, because you're going to get the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is your fave. Oh, yeah. Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, the Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag. The travel bag. I mean, that's just great. That's great thinking. And also, you know, the light on that is really nice. It's super useful. (laughs) You You threw out all of your flashlights, I heard, right? And instead, you just just use Manscaped. Manscaped, you just use the uh, performance trimmer. Somebody breaks into my house, I'm going to turn on my Manscaped. Who is it? Yeah. Or, and then you're going to shave their pubes, right? Right, exactly. I'll give them a nice close shave on their balls. (laughs) They'll be like, you know what? I was going to rob your house, but thank you. Yeah. Never mind. I'm just looking out for your pants, pumpkins, as Alex always says. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. Make your balls a priority this fall. Choose Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Your space balls, too. (laughs) Why are you doing that? All right, we're going to move with audience question, but first we're going to talk about what we're drinking. We already know what I'm drinking. I'm drinking this delicious cocktail that is getting me absolutely schnockered, I'll tell you why. Nice, yeah. made myself a double, and that was a mistake. Yeah, I think that's a smart idea. I like it when you start to turn different colors of red. (laughs) I'm very (laughs) yellow right now. I don't know what's going on with this camera. Yeah, especially your neck. It's freaking me out. Anyways, I'm drinking a little Pacifico, still trying to uh, finish the old six-pack, you know what I mean? Mm. A little bit at a time. Real quick, Pete, you're a doctor. Do you think I have jaundice? Yep. I, I was exactly, I was going to write that my little prescription pad. Oh, uh, but, thanks, uh, Doc. Yeah. yeah. My pants, pumpkins. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's get to some questions over here. This is from Edward Doherty over on Crowdcast. If you wrote a free guy style movie about comics instead of video games, what weird tropes and idiosyncrasies of background characters from comics would you explore or use for humor? First of all, how dare you? We're not going to give those ideas away for free. Yeah, the, the comic gold that mm-hmm. we've been cultivating over the year. I would definitely think it would be like, you know, the trope of like, uh, as soon as somebody else shows up, you immediately start fighting them and then you become friends and then mm-hmm. you team up and your unique set of skills come in perfectly handy for the, uh, you know, tasks ahead. Yeah, now... I guess we're talking about, like, since it's a free guy thing. By the way, I weirdly watched that this weekend. Me too! Oh, you did? Yeah. It's weird how it's the Lego movie, right? What? 
It's like straight up the Lego movie. The nah, plot of it is the, the Lego movie. Though. The the ending goes a little bit of a different direction, but Thank not you. much. Uh, a little not bit. much. The beginning of it, very much like the Lego movie. The main character, like Chris Pratt's character in the Lego movie. Jodie Comer's stop character, plugging. like Wild Style from the Don't, Lego movie. Stop plugging the Lego movie. It's bizarre. I had a weird time watching that movie because I was like, this is another movie. How did they get away with this? But It's completely different. That all said, we're talking about, like, this is comic book world, right? So background characters there. So probably a hot dog vendor would probably be there. I mean, the love story alone makes it completely different. I mean, come on, man. I guess. Jeez. Lego movie is better. No. Yes, it is. No. No, it's not. Don't tell anybody I said so. We're on a podcast right now, and that's is not really whispering. Yeah. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as Jolene says, the Lego movie rules. Lego it movie... definitely rules. It I rules. Mean, I mean, let's. Free Guy was fine. It was Anyway, fun. what else? What else in terms of background characters, like the... people wandering around, would you see in comic book world? Uh, definitely somebody who points at the sky and is like, what's going on up there? Yeah. Yeah, like someone who randomly says important information to what's going on, definitely. Mm -hmm. There'd be people Uh, hanging out in alleys waiting to get mugged. There'd be muggers. Sure. There's a lot of muggings that happen in alleys in comic book world. A lot of background characters that are just all wearing blue for some reason or something just to set the mood. Mm -hmm. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, And robots. I don't know. I'm running out of ideas. (laughs) Oh, man, we... We gotta go right off fast. Yeah, sure do. I, I, Jordan D. White, you know, he's always in the background of a lot of comics. Oh, yeah, probably a lot of a lot of comic book editors would be in there. As well. Yeah, yeah, a lot of cameos, a lot of shout outs. This is from Nelson Martinez over on YouTube. Getting into October and spooky, scary movies and TV shows. What are some of your guys' favorite scary and spooky TV shows or movies of all time? All time, all time. I can mention. One that I've watched a bunch of times, which is surprising to me, given how scary I find this movie and also how much it has actually affected my real world behavior in real life, is arachnophobia. (laughs) Oh, dude, I saw that in the theaters and lost my shit. Too much. Too much. There's two things that have happened. They're both off of the same scene. The scene... In arachnophobia, no. Street Bullet says, is that a comedy? No. Yes, it is. And that's how I, why I've watched it so much. Because Dude, when they look up that... Oh. It's very funny. Great horror comedy movie about spiders invading a town. But there's a scene where a woman takes a shower and a spider falls on her face. And I swear to God, I still, every time I take a shower, look up just to make sure there's no spiders over there. Every single time. Saw that movie decades ago. Still the same behavior. Always look up. Yeah, but it's great. I mean, every time I'm taking a shower, I always, like, after a little bit, just pull open the curtain to make sure there's nobody with a knife standing there. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, fair. The other thing that I did for a while that I don't do anymore is, for some reason, I got it into my head that there was also a spider in the towel. Because I think she gets out of the shower and she puts on a towel. And so for a very long time, I would shake out my towel in case the rest of That's just smart. That's smart. Just shake out the towel. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, what else? I I mean, I could keep throwing out stuff. Uh, Another one, a recent one that was really good that I think we've talked about here on the show, Midnight Mass on Netflix, I thought was pretty excellent. 
Also, the other Mike Flanagan stuff on there, The Haunting of Blind Manor, The Haunting of Hill House, uh, Dr. Sleep, which he did, was also great. All good stuff. What about you, Pete? I'm scary glad you have... Yeah, I don't do scary stuff very well. I've seen a bunch of stuff, uh, you know, the classics, but uh, I, I don't... Costello, Fight Frankenstein? Sure, sure. Um, I, Abner yeah. and Costello kick the shit out of Frankenstein? Uh, okay, let's take it easy. Um, I just feel that, like, you know, that poor monster, you know what I mean? I, I just feel that, like, uh, I, I'm not excited to get scared. I don't want to be losing years off my life because of a fucking movie. You know what I mean? Mm. I've become way too invested in what's happening, and uh, it's, a, it's a no-go situation. I don't want to be up. I don't want to have more nightmares. Hmm. What about Ted Lasso? That was pretty scary, right? What are you trying to do, sir? <laughs> I'm trying to start something. You? I mean, Ted Lasso was scary. I mean, we, it was the Vader moment there at the end reveal. Mm-hmm. Oof. Oof. All right. Why don't we go over here to another question? This is from Crodcast again from Jolene. What are your thoughts on the idea that Batman just beats up the mentally ill? Are costume villains in Gotham actually ill? Or are they mostly just faking abusing the system so they don't have to go to the hard uh, to the hard to break out of prison? Um, so I think there's two sides to that question. First of all, no, I don't think they're faking it. I think they are actually mentally ill. Second of all, I think sure there's a story to potentially be told about Batman beating up the mentally ill same as there's a story to be told about hey why doesn't Batman use his money to fix all the problems in Gotham he's a billionaire both of those stories are no fun <laughs> oh man that's the main thing is that like i understand the argument and it's fine to talk about in the real world but who cares do you want to read a story where people are like you know what, actually, Batman's in the wrong and you should stop beating up the Joker and we're going to lock up Batman. And we did lock up Batman and now there's no more Batman at the end. Who likes that? Or some story, like they've done this before where Batman's like, you know, I just realized I'm a billionaire and I should be building out the infrastructure in Gotham City. And they're like, you're like, wow, that's a really great idea. I'm glad somebody's finally doing that. And then half an issue later, he's like, I'm kicking the shit out of some mentally ill person right now, like Frankenstein, for example, like Abbott and Costello. I was in, I was inspired by them. And now I'm going to kick the shit out of Frankenstein. That's the sort of thing. I, I don't know what your tangents are all about. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, some dark sides to Batman, and someone pointed out in the comments there. Uh, yeah, I don't think Batman's got it all together either. So, um, yeah, I, there's a lot of different takes on Batman, uh, some darker than others. You'd, you'd like to hope, though, that uh, he's not just beating on poor people and, uh, uh, you know, making uh, things worse. If you want to see a billionaire making life hard for mentally ill people, read any of the news about Jeff Bezos, and I think you'll be good to go. Oh, God. All right, let's move to a question over here. This is from Scott Carpenter. How do you feel about Lord Zed being revealed as Zordon's old mentor and Darkon's return to power? (laughs) So I'm hoping this is a comment on the fact that Bleeding Cool wrote up a story about our show from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Ed called us a uh, a Power Rangers podcast. Wow. All right. <laughs> yeah. So that's a really good point to announce. Pete, should we announce this now that we are officially pivoting 
to just being a Power Rangers oh, podcast. Oh, Power now. Rangers. Yeah. So what do you think about this? I was floored about this Zordon reveal. What about you? Um, and remember, we're a Power Rangers podcast, right. so you I know was, what I'm talking I, about. I, I am, and man, it was crazy fun. Uh, but the Power Rangers comics have been a blast. So They have actually been very good. Yeah, we've been enjoying them. So I don't, if people want to say that's our deal, that's fine. They're doing great on the comics. We would love to talk about more. But uh, yeah, I mean. Would you do, not that we have time or necessarily the interest. Don't you start. No, no, no. But would, let's say somebody was like, hey, I want to hire, hire you guys to do a Power Rangers recap podcast starting with the first episode. And going through all of them. Wow. Would you do it? I don't know. I mean, I would have to do... I don't know. I would have to do a little bit of uh, thinking because that's a lot of watching <laughs> Power Rangers. Uh, that's a lot of commitment. Um, I do sometimes think about, we talk about a lot on the show, how we could be very deep into a Walking Dead podcast. I do sometimes think about whatever the Walking Dead finishes up in another decade or so. Maybe that's when we start. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we got to finish our Doom Patrol podcast before we start. Yeah, you all know. the episodes are taped. We just have to post them at some point. So we'll get around to it, I'm sure. Oh, man. Not not funny. Definitely not. This is from Kevin. What's a title you were really interested in that didn't make it past one or two issues? Oof. I mean, we read a lot of number ones. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um the thing is, we read so much, like, when things don't kind of, like, fade, when things fade away, it's not like it's like a, oh, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's they can't all be, you know, great. So, I, I mean, there wasn't one that I'm thinking of, but it's definitely happened. Uh, you know, there's been, like, a lot of cool premises that don't uh, deliver. I think sometimes when you start writing something, uh a lot of times stories move in different directions, which is great, but sometimes I can kind of go away from originally what kind of made you show up. So yeah, there's been a ton of stuff. I I don't want to throw anybody under the bus though. Yeah. I think he was specifically asking about titles that were canceled after one or two issue, but uh, just to give people a little peek behind the curtain in terms of the stack, at least the way that I send out the stuff, Usually I'll throw out a first issue if one pops up from any of the publishers that send us stuff. So just to give it a try. And by throw out, you mean put it in the stack? Put it in the stack, yeah. Right. Because I think it's worth giving a try, right? It's worth illuminating a new first issue. A great jumping on point. Exactly. Uh, number one is one of the best jumping on points for Yeah. Uh, Along with number 43. I Except say. if there's like, a fucking zero issue. Yeah. Sure, that's a different uh, thing. Yeah. But... It, my general feeling is if we were kind of mixed on an issue, but somebody was positive, we should read the second issue and see what it's like. Sure. If we were all negative on it or it was nonsense, definitely leave it out with the second issue. Although um, sometimes you'll bring things back around if they made somebody angry in certain ways and you like to torment us with it. Well, potentially to see if that keeps up, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it usually does. Well, thank you for interrupting that flow over there. Uh, let's go. <laughs> uh, here we go. This is from Stray Bullet. I asked this question in the stack, but I thought it would be fun to put here here too. Hickman is normalized. Oh, this is in the stack section of our page in the Slack, not the stack. Um, 
Stray Bullet has also been drinking this drink, which again, very strong. Uh, I asked this question in the Slack, but I thought it would put it here too. Hickman has normalized full text pages of the current X-Books, and it's probably the one thing about the X-Books I agree with Pete about. Is the text pages an easy way out for creators? In the beginning, it was kind of unique, but now it feels overdone, and they treat them like aggravating office memos rather than important yeah. parts of the plot. If they're important, shouldn't they be drawn out like the rest of the book? Pete? Yeah, it feels like, you know, maybe they're running out of uh, pages, you know, the page, you know, it's a good way to kind of condense story to just give us a little graph and tell us what happens next or whatever, or what happened in the past or some key thing. Uh, But yeah, I think what's nice is it started, I hope, as something creative and different to kind of pull in the readers. And now, like a lot of things... Uh, they kind of like just become these bland things that we kind of wash over and don't really notice anymore. I mean, I can't tell you the last time I went back and read any of that bullshit. <laughs> Man, those text pages are just like, hey, listen, we didn't have time to draw this, but here's a couple ideas we were thinking about putting in there. That then it'll happen. Thanks for checking 100% out. 100% not. And I do think it devalues the effort that people probably put into those pages to uh, talk about them in this way, because they take a lot of effort. They're not about like, eh, I'm just tossing something off and throwing it in there and kind of fill it up by page count. Yeah. Which they're trying to give a little extra bonus, trying to give them a little extra time. We've talked about it a lot on here. They don't always work. And in fact, there are a few writers that can make them work outside of Jonathan Hickman, who actually saves the most important information for his text pages huh. to almost an infuriating amount. He absolutely does. He's Man, it absolutely sounds like, like if somebody's not reading that, they're missing important things. It, absolutely. Well, wow. this is what I'm saying is like the Hickman X-Men books, the text pages text. are like, it's all text pages. Oh, by the way, here's the important thing that you actually need to know about Krakoa while Cyclops has been, you know, staring at Jean Grey for the past four pages or something like that. So it actually flips around the dynamic a little bit. Um, here, I, I was thinking about this the other day. You think so? Before, maybe we'll collect all the text pages. And just you separately? Like, yeah, and just read it like a book? Absolutely not. I was thinking about this the other day, and I think part of the reason for it is, and Stray Bullet didn't necessarily get into this, but it's something that seeped into not just all of Marvel comics, but DC comics and image comics as well, is it is something to me that is very much like what happened after the Matt Fraction, David uh, Hawkeye book, where specifically it had those identifier panels in the book where it was like Hawkeye, Archer, loser, you know, or something like that. And it was usually like an actual descriptor thing and then something funny. And he had that for all of the characters. So at the time, while Hawkeye was going on, I was working uh, freelance for Marvel doing the, I don't know if you remember the AR recaps that they did, where you point your phone at the cover and it'd give you a recap of it. I wrote a ton of those. So as part of that, I got to read a bunch of the scripts of Marvel Comics, and not all of this showed up in there, but so many of those scripts were so clearly heavily influenced by the text identifier, by the structure, by the tone of Hawkeye, to the point that they call out like, you know, like in Hawkeye by Mac Fraction, like literally in the script. And it's something that you saw seep into DC Comics as well. It was just the sea change of like, 
this is a new tool we could use. This is something new and exciting. We've never done this before. Oh, this is great. I want to use this toy as well. And I think that's the thing that's happening with the text pages here. Not that text pages and interstitials are necessarily new for comics, but the way that Hickman was doing them for X-Men was such a seismic sea change and became such a part of the X-Men books that other people saw that and thought, oh, I want to do that as well. That's a fun way of getting out a lot of information in the limited amount of space that we have in a 20-page comic book. So that's where I think it comes from. But as Stray Bullet is saying, over time, it has become grating because not everybody is good at it. Like most people, in fact, are not very good at it. And that's not to slag off any of the work they're doing or anything like that. But it does become this thing that your eye skips over because it is not giving the important information. And I think just like the text identifier things in Hawkeye, it needs to be there for the right reason. It needs to be there for the t- to fit the tone of the book, to fit the direction of the book, to fit the structure of the book. It can't just be there because you want to use one of the toys in the toy box that you'd never used before. How'd that feel? Do you feel good about that? What do you mean? Well, I just, I would wonder if you got a little lonely on the top of your little soapbox there, or you feel it coming down. No, I felt great. Okay, cool. Nice job. I felt really good. Yeah. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for asking. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem, man. I'm glad (laughs) I got off that. No problem. Eh, puto le noia, eh? This is from Edward Doherty. What are you excited for at DC Fandom this weekend? First of all, very excited to re enter the dome. dome. I love domes. I loved it. Was that creepy the way yeah, I said that? Yeah, the way you said that was real creepy. Yeah. What if yeah. I bit my lip like that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you just, I don't even want to, I want to erase that image. Were they enclosed things? <laughs> What's Ugh. inside? Huh? Stop. What, what are you holding Stop back? Stop talking like that. You got a whole like. Uh, I, the fandom. Virtual... Talk about the fandom, you asshole. You got like some news about the. Batman You're covering the fandom. You got sent a bunch of fandom Ooh. shit. Like, talk about it, you fucker. You got uh, some sort of compilation reel about 100 episodes oh, of DC's Legends. So I want to ask you a question. You foxy no, dome. Nobody wants this SMR bullshit ASMR. I mean, doing... first of all, it's uh, okay. In all seriousness. DC Fandom is building up to a big event at the end of it that I, like a lot of people, am very excited to see, which is we're finally going to see Abbott and Costello beat the shit out of Frankenstein. What is happening with you? It's great. Like, I can't believe that they're finally doing it. DC is finally going for it. It's going to be very cool. Uh, I believe Henry Cavill and Jason Momoa are going to be introducing it. They're the opening bout before the title bout, and that should be fun. Wow. I agree with people in the comments. Uh, Justin, please come back to us. <laughs> Nobody said that. Yep. <laughs> All Edward actually said was, anyone miss Justin Wright Noel? So I don't think they want him back until Christmas. Oh, boy. <laughs> DC Fandom is, uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be good. I'm a little cautiously excited about it. I think the last event was this, the first one that they did, mind you, because they actually did a second one that I think everybody forgets about, but the first one was like this flash in the pan. It just worked like it should not have worked. And then it did completely and it killed it. So I'm a little trepidatious about what potentially they'll do here, particularly because 
a lot of the stuff that they plugged in the first one is still hasn't come out. So it's still the Batman. It's still Aquaman 2. It's still Black Adam. It's still The Flash. It's still all of these other movies that they're going to be hyping up as the big thing. But at the same time, it, they did a really well-produced live stream the last time. So if they do that again, if they mix in comic book stuff, like it looks like they're doing with the movie stuff and the TV stuff, that should be very, very cool. Potentially. Are you going to check it out? You're going to hang out for the four hours of the dome on no, Saturday? No, 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 Pete. But I'll be interested to see afterwards how it goes. You're and... a comic book journalist, Pete. you got to be all Stop over this. Stop putting that title on me. I am not a journalist, sir. I think you are. All right, folks. I think we're going to wrap up your audience questions on that high note. <laughs> and now we're going to turn it over to Pete for a little bit of the old trivia. All right. Now, do we have a person for this, Alex, or no? Great. I'm glad we made that list thing. All right. So this is the part we give back to Thanks you. Thanks for your help, by the way, with that. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Uh, th- this week goes out to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars in the form uh, of online gift card to Midtown Comics. Uh, so all you need is like a first hand up. A little, hey, Pete, pick me. A little, like, hey, I could use uh, online comics. You know, something like that uh, to volunteer would be fantastic. Yeah, and if you're over on YouTube, you can say, I'd like to do it as well. And there's just, like, a 30-second delay, so it's super awkward. But Unlike still the rest of this, doable. very smooth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, tell you what, if we don't get a hand up in about uh, 10... Ooh. Oh. Whoa. We're oh, going to bring no. in Luana? Yes? Sure. Sure. Okay, here we go. Bringing her in. Wow, I feel like this is a little bit of a fix is in here, i got to be honest with uh, you. There's no fix. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Um, I look really gross, but this is my cat. Yeah, it's Aww. our cat. Isn't she, she the cutest? Yeah. So cute. Yeah. Oh, she doesn't like this. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> She just um, woke up for a I, nap. Hey. Oh, oh, sorry, kitten. Okay, uh, what's going? Do you want to ask me questions? Yeah, sure. All right. So today's <laughs> trivia is on to topical now? comic news and a small nod to the legend <laughs> Willie Garson. All right. So please listen to all three options before making your selection. Oh, kitten's gonna come to you. All right, here we go. Let's follow kitten down the hallway. Oh, Let's this is not create some this sort of not. terrible reflexive. Yeah, please audio don't get loop. too close. Otherwise, <laughs> this will go crazy. All uh, right. Question number one. What is one reason to be pumped for Catwoman Lonely City? Is it A, Cliff Chang on art, B, Justin is a story producer on it, or is it C, Jamie Lee Curtis? So it's either A, which is the correct answer, or I really like Jamie Lee Curtis. B or C. I'd also go for Jamie Lee Curtis. I don't want to, I don't want to. You know, we all love Jamie Lee Curtis, but let's not be distracted by the fact that A is the answer, so we can move on, please. Okay. Great. Move on. <laughs> yeah. Here uh, we go. Question great. number two. Yo, I'm this so is tired. great. This I is like being there with you like guys. What? All right. Here we go. Why should we be excited for January 26, 2022? <laughs> is it A, I... the, the return of Saga, B, because camels love Wednesdays, or is it C, Christina Vidal? So it's either A, which is what we're looking for, 
or you could be completely wrong. We can go with A. Yay! All right, here we go. Last one. <laughs> wow, these comments are very great. You have a um, intelligent and funny fan base. What is the title of the DC event for Halloween out October 26th? Is it A, DC versus Vampires number one, B, Fuck Your Circus Peanuts number one, or is it C, Haley Hudson? So it's either A, and you can get $25, or you could be completely wrong. Is it Steven Tobolowski? No. Oh, he was also in Freaky Friday. Yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> don't but listen to Kevin. To Kevin do... is like yeah, several stop. steps ahead in the quiz. Yeah, don't, don't oh, I really uh... liked Freaky Friday. Yeah, uh, that's great. Yeah, hit Please me say one more A. Time. Please say A. A. Thank you. All right. $25 will be yours. Congratulations. Uh, you have won $25 in a Midtown Comics gift card. Now, there's a weird caveat that Midtown told me about this is you're not allowed to let Pete use this gift card. Oh, That's okay. so strange. <laughs> they, like, banned Pete LePage from their Yeah, store. they banned from the, Pete from the store after, well, he knows what happens. Yeah, that's true. But anyways, in today's trivia, all the third answers were a nod to the women who survived slasher films. All three actresses kick ass. Hmm. Very cool. There we go. And that Wait, answers was, Jolene's also... question, which was, hey, Pete, name a woman. Yeah. Yeah. So good job. Yeah. You did it. But wait, why are we? Is just why are we talking about Freaky Friday? Was more than one of them in Freaky Friday, or just Jamie Lee Curtis? All three were in Freaky Friday. They were all in Freaky Friday. Oh, so they were in Freaky Friday, and also they were final it, girls. Yeah, they were in other slasher okay. slash. Scary I didn't movie. know that Freaky Friday was so slasher heavy. Well, I mean, you got Jamie Lee Curtis in, at the helm. You know what I mean? You're gonna. Yeah, she like brought all her friends. Yeah. Oh, and uh, that throws me back to we were talking about horror movies to watch. Everybody should watch Freaky, which is a lot of fun. Freaky. Okay. Okay. No? Anybody I don't know, know that? I've, no. What, what are you talking it. about? It's uh, Catherine <laughs> Newton and Vince Vaughn. It's a horror slasher twist on Freaky Friday, where Vince Vaughn Ooh. is a slasher, switches places with a teen girl in high school who's awkward. And it's oh, that's funny. Great. That it's great. very fun. It's from the guy who directed Happy Death Day, which is also oh, fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um, so definitely highly recommend checking it out. Well, I just woke up from a nap. Okay. All right, you thank you for coming on. Tell your cat I say hello. Your, our cat, sure, we'll do yeah. that. I okay, will. Thanks. She says hi to. She ran away, but yeah, All she right. says hi. Bye. <laughs> all right, there we go. That was interesting. As we all know, tomorrow is New Comic Book Day, except for DC Comics, which came out today. Pete, what are you looking forward to? What do you want to check out? I'm very excited about Man Eaters: The Curse Number Four. Uh, just super creative, a lot of fun. Love the characters and art. I'm sure I, we'll talk about it, maybe. Probably. I love that book as well, but I do want to shout out two big finishes and one re-beginning that's happening. Immortal Hulk number 50 is coming out. That's very exciting. Very nervous about that. Strange Adventures number 12, finishing off that series. Very curious to see how Tom King wraps up that one. And Chilling Adventures of Sabrina number 9 is coming out after years. Years after number 8. So very excited to see how that continues. And folks, years. Years. That is it for this week's show. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Leslie Julian. Please go pledge Savage Wizard number one. Yeah. As of right now, it's up to $5,862. Awesome. 
So little Woo. to go before a $6,000 goal. Also, Frank Barberi, Astonishing Times on Comixology, Kurt Pyers, Lost Falls, also on Comixology. Check out all of those. Next week, Olivia Stevens is going to be here to talk about Artie and the Wolf Moon, and Mark Sable is going to be back on the show to talk about Miskatonic and Graveyard and Empires. A couple of other podcasts you should check out. Why the Cast Man, or Why the Last Podcast, every Monday. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, is a little bit of a hiatus. We're going to try to do something before Hawkeye. We'll see what happens. Riverdale After Dark, a Riverdale podcast, just finished up season one, but... And they have a special episode coming on you soon, so stay tuned. Star Guys, our Stargirl podcast, comes out occasionally whenever everybody can get their schedules together. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support this show and all the shows we do. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen and follow at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night! Take care Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.